I lived in Israel until I was 21. So, mm. uh, and then and then I went to the US. I went to school in uh, Illinois, Champaign, Illinois. Wow. Um, I did, uh, was a student athlete there for four years. Mm -hmm. Is and that, did, did you end up in Illinois because of the, like the athletic program or was it? it yes, was, yes, I, I, I was on a full ride there. I, I received a full scholarship as, a, as an all around gymnast. Mm -hmm. So I competed uh, there for four years, went to school there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's where I ended up my, uh, my athletic career as well. Okay. My, my four years in the NCAA, you know, in the collegiate league. Mm -hmm. And then I saw that you then um, performed in, in, in Vegas doing, yeah. I forget the name of the show. Uh, Le Rêve. Le okay. Rêve. And, yeah, that's, and, that, and that's a Cirque du Soleil show? It's, uh, it's similar. It's an offshoot of Cirque du Soleil, okay. kind of, because mm -hmm. the, the director of the show was a director of uh, many Cirque du Soleil show in the first mm -hmm. generation of the shows. And then he created his own company, um, and, uh, which is, he's based in Belgium, but he has shows all over the world, in China, in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so uh, it's very similar to you know, same, same. Have you ever seen a Cirque du Soleil show in Vegas or? Unfortunately, I haven't. And I've been to haven't. Vegas quite a bit, but I, I've never gotten to see a show. You went to see the fights instead of the shows. I, I you know what? They, <laughs> I, I grew up in Nevada and Vegas is one of these places where you, I feel like you end up and you're like, how did I get here? What am I exactly, doing? Here? Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, if, if I didn't work there, I would never live there. That's yeah. probably, or visit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is one of the big shows in Vegas. I was mm -hmm. there for eight years wow. as, a, as a general acrobat in the show. Mm -hmm. It's called the, the, the position was called the generalist. So I basically, I did some handstand obviously, but, but it was a very small part of the show. I danced, I did aerial acrobatics, acrobatics. I dove into the water, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, whatever fit my, my profile, uh, you know, I, I did in the show. The um, these types of shows, like the these Cirque type shows, I realize have given this kind of next step for a lot of people who grew up as competitive gymnasts, right? Mm -hmm. I remember being friends with a someone in high school, and he was like a, a top level gymnast in the state of Nevada, and I think he was maybe only sixteen at the time, or fifteen, or something. Yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. already being scouted and contacted by the producers, directors, or whoever of these shows, yeah, because sure. they're already kind of keeping their eyes out, um, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a profile. There is like, uh, in, in Cirque, there's two, they're either circus artists who, who bring their circus act and they put it in the show, mm -hmm. or they have the ex-acrobat or ex-gymnast or ex-trampoline artist um, mm -hmm. who they take and train to do their specific uh, skills in the show. And, uh, and in my show, it was more, it was a, it was very general. I didn't have one specific act that I was trained to do. I just had to learn everything, mm -hmm. um, there at the spot on the spot. Yeah. I, I watched, um, the, the video that you have on your website and it mm -hmm. has a, a fair amount of you performing in the show. Yeah, it's mostly, mostly from the show. Yeah. And I could see you're wearing a lot of different hats and mm -hmm. in some ways, so much of it is like, uh, uh, a pretty big distance from what competitive gymnastics looks for sure, like. For sure, yeah. So I assume there must have been like some sort of artistic learning curve. 
mm-hmm. you went through to try to, 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 to be a participant, because I mean, even the dance elements, I'm sure are, are slightly different. Yeah, that, and that was the, the biggest challenge for me. And, and it's still, you know, still to this day, I'm, I'm a very slow learner. And as far in the dance department, uh-huh. um, but, but the truth is like, I never uh, plan or thought I'll end up performing in a show or, or on stage. I was never, I was like an introverted gymnast, you know, you have, you compete in your own bubble, you do your routine uh, and, and you don't express any emotion. And which is probably the, the big difference from, uh, from uh, being a gymnast to being a circus artist mm-hmm. who, 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 is, who expresses something on stage, whatever the emotion is, it's not only an acrobatic move, you, you're telling a story. Um, so, so that was, um, yeah, for me, the biggest, uh, challenge and also why it was so exciting also to, to make this transition when it happened, it wasn't, it happened quite late. Uh, I didn't start performing uh, in Vegas before I was, I was 30, uh, 32, 33. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so making that even like leap into this world was kind of like a, a long shot. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like, a, you know, the typical dream of the Jewish mom to have her son going to the circus when he's in his mid thirties. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but it worked. It worked. Yeah. And she well, was I mean, happy afterwards. <laughs> I, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Once she like makes the trip out to Vegas and sees the show, she's, exactly. like, she's probably like, wow, this is amazing. Exactly. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You're like it's not you know the road Barnum and Bailey show. No, no, no. It's it's yeah. really, um, yeah. It's it's a different different style of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I so, so yeah. Well, sir, I was gonna say I just find also like the the mindset thing so so interesting. The idea of like you know when you're when you're competing, mm-hmm. it's not that it's not performance because at the end of the day it's it's still a performance and and but it's like the competitive mindset versus the, like you said, the, 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 the storytelling mindset are, are really interesting, different, different places yeah. to tiptoe around. Yeah, but, but it, it, was, it, it did come uh, naturally for me in, 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 the, in the end of the day, you know, once I was there and, and uh, you know, from the moment I retired, I retired from gymnastics uh, in 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a few years, I, I was kind of like moving around. Didn't I didn't know what I how, what's next? You know, after mm-hmm. you retire from sport, it was the center of my life from from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, then suddenly, you know, uh, losing your identity as as a gymnast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so what's next? I tried to work in the corporate world. I tried different things. You know, a degree in communications, marketing, and and. And it didn't. It just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so I tried for two three years. And and then, but from the moment I I switched my uh, my direction towards doing stuff with my body and you know more familiar environment, uh, things starting to happen. Uh, you know naturally, mm-hmm. uh, from auditioning to Cirque du Soleil to taking you know started taking different uh, dance and theater classes and. And performing on the street to get experience and it just felt a little bit more uh, it's still challenging but but more natural and i knew i was going to uh to that direction and and at the same time that's where i also uh, rediscovered 
uh, handstand, you know, uh, and it, it became a thing for me. I, I did it all my life as a gymnast, but but uh, uh, about around when I was about thirty, I was um, uh, I was starting to think about Cirque, but I was already teaching an acrobatic class for non gymnast, you know, kind of a general open class. And, and handstand is one of the things that I started teaching there. And, and, and it sparked my interest. And that's where I started researching the handstand until it became my, my discipline, my, my circus discipline mm -hmm. that I adopted. And, and then since then uh, has been, you know, the main, my main practice. Right. Because uh, like hand balancing is different than the handstand practice in gymnastics. Yes, I mean, the main difference, I would say, in gymnastics, the handstand is more of a transition mm -hmm. from one skill to another. Uh, and there is a little bit more use of body tension and force because it's such a short, you hold it for such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Whereas in hand balancing, you stay there for much longer and then there is a focus on one arm and it's more about uh, efficiency and uh, uh, holding the handstand without effort. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be maybe the, the difference. In the end of the day, a good handstand is a good handstand. So you, when you see a gymnast doing a good handstand or a hand balancer, but they both have an amazing handstand. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I would say any, any high-level gymnast will, will very easily make a transition into hand balancing if he chooses or she chooses to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would, and you and you said uh, along the way there, while you were taking some classes, mm -hmm. you started you started doing some street performing to like uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah, develop some comfort in it. Yeah, so you know, going as a character, as a clown, or as a whatever, and doing. I, I, I used to do unicycles as a kid, so I I went on a unicycle and and interacted with audience with the people. I didn't really do a show on the street. Uh -huh. But, but, you know, put up makeup and get into a character without, without any uh, character and see what happens. You know, you are thrown into the situation and have to react to the reality. Mm -hmm. And uh, as, as not as you, as, as a performer. So yeah. it's acting, uh, you know, in a way. Well, um, also like these elements of like, uh, like dealing with some randomness and some spontaneity. Exactly, and 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 again, it's it's not my natural place. I've, I was never the kid who does the shows in school or goes on stage, or you know, it's not it's not my personality. My kind of uh, as a kid uh -huh. growing up, or as a gymnast, mm -hmm. but uh, it was nice to discover the the joy I have by doing that, you know. And and I had this um, then later on when I got accepted to the show in Vegas, it was. Uh, literally eight years of 3,000 shows that I that I spent wow. on stage yeah so wow. so amazing school for me as well mm -hmm. um, and basically learning by performing you know yeah. every, every day you go on stage you do your role the same acts more or less throughout the eight years but uh, but then you know different situations different partners on the stage and uh, you know, different things that go wrong on stage, you have to, uh, to, to react. And it was very, very, very interesting and uh, fulfilling experience, yeah. What were the physical demands, uh, I guess, if we compared it to being a competitive gymnast in school, 
because again, I, you know, I watched the videos and I'm watching it. And now you're saying doing what I think you said, eight shows a week, three, th- or, or 10, 10 shows a week, 10 yeah. shows a week, and then yeah. 3000 shows. And I was looking at it and I'm like, wow, I mean, that's physically demanding, but it, it, I don't know if I were to compare it to yeah, the requirements. You know, the, the intensity of, of the, the skills or the, are not as uh, demanding as, as a competitive gymnast today. Mm-hmm. But with that, the hard, the, the big challenge of, of shows like this is the grind. Uh, you, you don't have uh, ups and downs mm-hmm. in, in, you know, a gymnast has a competition season, then they have a few months of, you know, building up, learning new routines and less, uh, and then they go up towards competition season and then the intensity goes up here. You're constantly in competition every night. Yeah. You know, so so and, and most most of the injuries in the show, and there are a lot of injuries um, for me personally as well. It's more of a rare and tear, uh, and just the grind. The body yeah. eventually cannot take it anymore. Yeah, and and that's the, the big challenge of, of the show. Yeah. Do you think that um, you know this time doing the show and being a performer, and also like the the street performing, and and then you know exploring like the worlds of theater and acting a little bit? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure I can I can guess the answer, but that must have really given you a different approach to teaching and a certain mm-hmm. confidence with that as well. Yeah, and and again, teaching that's like fast forward to what I'm doing now full time, mm-hmm. uh, it was never part of my plan. So yeah. I never taught a class in my life until I started teaching, mm-hmm. <laughs> students, you know? So yeah, um, yeah I, I would say, and in a way I feel uh, even today for, for me, teaching is similar in a way to being on stage. I'm in front of 30 people, I'm uh, teaching a skill, but then I need to react in real time to different situations that happen in at a at a workshop mm-hmm. whether someone is dealing with fear someone is not you know so so you have to you know be able to react and and also you learn a lot along the way how to deal with different situations and and uh and and you know even if, even if i have to showcase what i'm teaching i'm performing in front of 30 people i can't mess up you know so so my practice during the week in a certain way, I also always prepare for what I'm going to do in the show, whether physically, what I'm teaching, that's already, it's already, I'm, I'm learning how to teach through teaching mm-hmm. because I, um, the level of my hand balancing didn't change since, since the day I started teaching, but, but just by teaching these uh, hundred workshops in the last few years, um, you know, I, I learned a lot through that and also the style of teaching and, and the content of how to uh, communicate the same message so it's more effective uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to beginners, mm-hmm. people who start, you know, it's, there's a difference between teaching uh, or helping a professional or, or advanced level, high level hand balancer or teaching someone who, who still has a fear from falling towards the back right. and how to, how to figure out a way to, to communicate that uh, so it's safe and, and make the people feel confident, for example. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I feel like you're in this like unique position where you, have a, you still have like the empathy for beginners because mm-hmm. 
you know, you got to a very high level in, in competitive gymnastics, but then had to kind of go through the learning process again later in life to become a hand balancer, which is yeah, like, yeah. A, you know, it wasn't just like a, a an easy one, two, I assume yeah. there was like, oh, well now, you know, I need to learn how to hold these positions on one arm and, and, and go through that process. Exactly, so, exactly. you know, cause I, I realized there are certain people where it's like, because they just did something as, as a child, they try to then communicate that same thing to adults. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily work because the, the approach does have to change for people who are starting something in their thirties or forties versus someone who's four or five. Yeah. And, and this is also something I, I learned, uh, as, as I was doing it, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had to, I, I realized that I can't just do, you know, go and be a Russian coach to a bunch of people who, who just want to have fun and learn a handstand, you know? So, so I, uh, you know, kind of, you have to have this, like you said, the empathy and being able to, to make things simple and make things uh, effective for the people to let them feel that they're, they, they come and, and they learn something new and they're inspired to continue to practice because that's where the real learning happened, not at the workshop, but when they leave the workshop. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I like to look at the, my workshop more is not not a place uh, or an experience to learn how to do handstand. Is it's a place to learn how to practice handstand because you need to still go and do the work afterwards if it's something that's interesting for you. If if you you know if you're sparked to to go go ahead and put the hours, mm-hmm. and, and it comes to that. You know, it's right. a very inherently repetitive practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So do you, do you still practice handstand now or do you, do you oh, practice? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, for me, you know, I, I'm, I'm teaching. Sometimes I, I, I laugh with myself and, you know, I, I teach handstand so I can still continue to practice as I, as I reach my, <laughs> as I'm nearing 50s, you know. So um, it's, it's a big, big privilege for me and uh, I have a big joy of uh, that I'm able to wake up in the morning and, and, and go do my handstand very similar to what I did as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. I, when I when I was an eight, 10 years old kid, I discovered gymnastics and completely fell in love with the sport. And, uh, and I, I didn't need any motivation to just go and spend five hours at the gym. It was just the best place for me to be, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and in a way like being 40 or 45 and, and being able to do the same thing and continue to learn new things and new tricks, new, uh, it's, I feel very privileged to, to be able to do that. And, and, uh, and since I left the show, um, the workshops that I give mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a regular basis, every two weeks or so, mm-hmm. um, they allow me to do that, continue my lifestyle, continue developing my skill mm-hmm. and allow me to be um, a teacher that still learns, that still is in the game, uh, which is very important for me. That makes me think of, um, I spoke with this uh, jujitsu black belt friend of mine on the podcast here. His name's Dan Koval and he teaches in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And he said he started teaching jujitsu as a purple belt because he wanted to get better at jujitsu. And he figured that if he had to start teaching the things that it would make him better. And it's kind of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. that it's not just communicating the information that's in your brain, but also forcing yourself to rethink it, 
develop new tools because it comes back around the other direction in, in terms of your own personal practice. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the methods that I use when I teach, uh, some of them just either came up during a workshop when I had to solve a, a problem with one of the participants and I, okay, maybe try this. And then I like, okay, this works. And then I went home the next week and I, and I researched that little drill that I did and found different variations of it. And, and uh, you know, uh, kind of felt the corrections in my body. So, so when I teach it, I, I don't need to uh, re regurgitate some, something I read in a text. I like, I, I say what I feel when I do the exercise, I demonstrate mm -hmm. it and, and it's, it's, very, it's very natural. So, so I think there's a, a great, uh, great, a lot to learn in the finesse, you know, the little details by teaching beginners. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes you, makes you refine the basics, which later also translate to better performance in the higher level skills. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very typical for, you know, the foundation in something like handstand in acrobatics or gymnastics is key. Mm -hmm. If there is something missing in the foundation, there's, it always shows in the higher level skill. Right, it's gonna so, catch up with you. It's gonna catch up with you at some point. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, uh, so that's one, one aspect of it. And, and um, so, yeah, I spent three hours, three, four hours a day practicing mm -hmm. and stand uh, as, as the center of my, my practice, but I do other things as well to support. Mm -hmm. uh, to keep healthy, to, to be able to do other things aside from handstand, but, but the heart of my practice uh, revolves uh, around handstand and, mm -hmm. and in the last few years also head balancing, which became kind of a parallel, uh, parallel uh, I don't know, hobby or skill that I, that I continue to develop and it's going, it goes back to what we are talking about uh, being a beginner again. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, the first time that I, uh, I met uh, Claude, my, my the teacher that I studied with, the French guy, mm -hmm. um, he kind of like, yeah, you should try the headstand. And I was like, I was uh, 30 years old. It's just when I made a transition and I was like, you know, I'm 30, my neck, I don't know if I want to risk it. And he said, okay, don't worry about it. And, and, and I left it. And then when I left the show in Vegas, it's 10 years later, I'm 40 years old. And I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. And, and I gave it a try and I was completely consumed by, by this amazing uh, skill. And, and for the past, uh, I don't know, six years, it's been part of my daily practice. So I, I combine head balancing uh, along with my handstand practice, uh, which, which allowed me to be a complete beginner in something, mm -hmm. you know, that's in the, in the same field. And, and uh and again, it's something I learned a lot from just by, uh, by exploring it and, and mostly through self-practice and figuring it out. And Claude, um, uh, what is his last name? Uh, Claude Victoria, that was his uh, stage name, but that's mm -hmm. how we, uh, people know him by. Okay. Uh, his, his last name, I think is Ladakh, or, but it's Claude Victoria, yeah. And, and he is the person you turn to after the time when you were in competitive gymnastics to learn about hand balancing. Yeah, yeah, with him. I mean, I, I did the transition uh, to hand balancing with him. Mm -hmm. So before that, I had gymnastics handstand knowledge from gymnastics. And then 
from I did a week long uh, stage with him, like a week. Uh, I stayed at his home for a week, and and um, he basically gave me the template of of my current practice until this day. Wow. Um, you know, just how the positions should look like, how, mm-hmm. how you should, uh, where you should focus your attention, how you should breathe, you know, just the, the very basic of hand balancing, because I just didn't, I was not trained in that um, discipline. And so it was very beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, over the years, I, I kept coming for a few days here when I could, because I, w- I was already in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on in Europe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but, but then following his, this first week with him, it was, again, it was mostly self-practice um, and, and uh, maybe training along other hand balancers, professional hand balancers that I met along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then since then also the explosion of information on social media, which which uh, which has so much information today, um, and since uh, also I know how to to look at the, the the different hands, and I can I can feel I can learn more because of that. I know what's what to look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of good stuff available, which which was never available in the past. Right. So now it's like um, you immediately you you pull out your phone and you have a library of handstand. To yeah. dig into, you like just a, have like to choose which, what, what to, how, who to follow, and and what to, and then and then to, to analyze it, to know how to apply it to yourself, which is difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I think that's the really overwhelming thing for, I mean, just people in general, probably on the internet, is there's so much information about anything you could possibly want to put your hands on, mm-hmm. to then mm-hmm. figure out well, well, which one do I go with? In the past, it was like, well, how do I find the guy, and now you're like, how do I pick the person out of the millions? Yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, you know, in, in the end, uh, you you choose you. There are certain styles that you are more attracted to, and then you look at them and you hear a few interviews. You see the people, and then everybody chooses their own. Uh, you know, the teacher that that you connect to in, in mm-hmm. a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, you know. Uh, I always uh, recommend to to study with people, mm-hmm. uh, if you know, with experienced hand balancers or experienced teachers. That's the best way to learn uh, mm-hmm. skill like that. And then, but then afterwards, it's uh, it, it's the work you do at home, mm-hmm. learning right. how to to practice and refine your hands and on your own. Uh, today, you have uh, videos. You can film yourself. You learn how to critique yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I grew up in as a gymnast, I you know in the 1980s, I was doing gymnastics. That's where I formed my my gymnastics in the 1980s. I'm 80 to 90. Um, we didn't have a video in the gym. <laughs> you you listen to the coach, point your feet straight, push. That's it. You didn't have any feedback, and you you know even that in order to see the the top the examples you I had these big VHS cassette that I stuck and saw again and again and again like the world championships of 1991 in Montreal you know and that's that's was the sources that I use mm-hmm. I want to be like this Russian guy or this Chinese guy or you know uh, and, and today's a different game which mm-hmm. which also is part of it is why the level is going up and exponentially uh, mm-hmm. all over the world 
Mm -hmm. What, what, um, when you, when you started working with your teacher Mm -hmm. and he, and he suggested that you explore the headstand, what, what was the reason behind that? What was, what was his idea? He, he comes from a, a classic hand balancing, which is in circus, in the circus uh, world. Um, and, and for him, you know, equilibre or the balance is, it, it's together. Handstand and handstand, it's the same thing. Mm. Um, and, and in a way, the head balancing is even a more pure, uh, pure balancing. The base of support is very small. It's the connection between your the top of your head and to, in your sacrum, you know, it's, it's, and then the spine in the middle, mm-hmm. you need to balance it where mm-hmm. we're, uh, and so there's less strength involved when you do hand balancing, especially on one arm, there's a lot of counterbalancing and using of strength to counterbalance the, the forces that pull you to one side and then you, you pull towards the other. And then in head balancing, it's like, it's uh, ever changing, uh, it, you know, the moment of balance, it's, it's transitory. It just passes. You reach it and you lose it and you have to save it. More si- similar to how you would balance on a, on a slack line or, or, or tightrope. Mm-hmm. You know, you constantly need to rebalance mm-hmm. in order to find this elusive center. Yeah. You know, to, to get this moment of like, oh, I'm floating and I'm not moving. And then you lose it and then you search for it again. Yeah. So, so there's something very, um, the, the balancing on the headstand, it's, it's very subtle and, and more internal. Mm-hmm. You use less uh, force, more skeleton and, and, and alignment as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, handstand, which a good one will be very little force, mm-hmm. but still there, it's, there's more, uh, it's easier to, 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 uh, at least visually to, to showcase like a no movement in handstand. What's all, and, and you, I think you said something really interesting, like it, it's this really um, great opportunity for some, some internal feedback, mm-hmm. right? Like you can really start to explore what that, what information you're getting there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's, that's fascinating. It's still fascinating. You know, I'm, I'm doing it uh, about, six years now, five years uh, daily. You know, so I, I do between 10 and 15 minutes cumulatively on, on my head. So I do, you know, a set of head balancing for two minutes and then I do three sets of handstand. So it gives me enough time to rest in between. That's the, the main, the, the way I, I usually recommend also how to practice it that mm-hmm. worked well for me. Um, and, uh, and, and really the, the, the main, the main benefit for me, um, besides the excitement and everything, it's, it's being the beginner again and learning something. Uh, and then, you know, I don't, it's hard to, for me to say, uh, how I'm translating the knowledge I received from this practice to my handstand, but I'm, I'm confident that there is some, something that seeped into my handstand. This well, little understanding that, that's, that, that that can only be learned by doing it. Exactly. You can't theorize about, oh, you know, I know the, how to head, you do this and you can't, but, but you need to experience it in order to, to really understand it. Yeah. Well, I really, appre- I, I, I looked a little bit at your Instagram and I, I like, there's a certain amount of, uh, not even a certain amount, I think a real genuine humble attitude in, in, in what you express 
when you're putting information out there. And I saw what you wrote about the headstand and, you know, there's, I, I, you, I think you wrote something on there about it, be, you being, treating it as being a beginner, but also saying that there isn't necessarily a truly functional aspect to this, but that internally there's other information that you're getting that may and probably does, and I would, I would probably even say definitely does, seep into other functional qualities. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that a lot of people, you know, don't, people always want to jump to like, here's the reason why you have to be doing this thing. And yeah, I, I, mean, I, 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 I hold the same thing for Hansen as well. I don't find any, I, I don't do it because it's functional or because it's good for you or because I do it because I'm passionate about it. I love it. You know, it's a skill I have, I'm, I've been excited to explore for 40 years, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that, that's my reason. And I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think other reason would be, uh, you know, every, everyone has their own reason, but I, but I think, um, you know, I don't think uh, like, you know, like uh, you talked to Karsten the other week about uh, his Hansen, there's, there's no for, for uh, a martial artist or jujitsu, uh, high level jujitsu um, athlete, you know, um, there's no real reason to do a one-arm handstand. There's no carryover of one-arm handstand whatsoever, especially with the time you need to invest in it. Right. Okay. You, you do it because of, for the sake of exploration, sake of, of uh, going through something that's difficult and overcoming whatever, you know, mm-hmm. this is the, I believe the, where, where the benefits are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and you can do it from learning how to play the piano. You don't need to do handstand for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do, there's so many different things you, mm-hmm. you can, um, and for me, it's just, for me, it's, it's handstand and, and, and I don't know why it's so popular, but perhaps it's it being such a kind of a primal uh, gymnastics or acrobatic move. Mm-hmm. This is like a heart of acrobatics, mm-hmm. which is relatively safe to do. Mm-hmm. So, so it allows everyone to, to get a bite, get mm-hmm. a taste of, of the world of gymnastics mm-hmm. or acrobatics for that matter. And, and I, I still really appreciate that, 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 you know, even saying that the one arm handstand and these things, and there's not, it does, it, it, there's not necessarily a functional quality, but there doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And I think in, yeah. in our world, there's always like, you know, it, it, there always has to be the like, well, this is why you have to do this thing. This is why this is important. This is it. And sometimes, and most of the time, really, it's just like, well, this is somewhere where I find a passion. Yeah. And that's, and that is equally valuable and interesting because there's, because that's creativity and artistry and problem yeah. solving. And, and, and I don't know, it makes me think of like a Zen in the art of archery, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's very, it's very much like that. Uh, you know, like, um, trying to, to uh, put it in words, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a skill, you know, it's a skill that uh, I, I learned it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I didn't even know how I learned it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, my coach put me on hands and supported me. And um, yeah, I got a little bit uh, 
lost in, in, in our conversation. I'm not sure where <laughs> what I was talking about. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I really think that there's something to that idea, though, of like, the, it, you know, people say it's like it's the, the journey is, is the reward mm -hmm. or something. And, and, and I think that's what you're really speaking about is like this idea that like the skill at the end is great and it's built around your passion and your interest. But yeah. what you yeah. learn about yourself and what you learn about being human and what you learn about relationships and, and communication and all these things by going through the a creative process in some way, mm -hmm. like that's the meat. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's the transferable skill or the transferable skills, you know, like yeah. the. Okay. So I remember what I was trying to, to talk about, um, you know, to, today, what, what people, uh, you know, the thousands of people learning Hanson today, uh, what was, uh, very recently, like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, the material that I try to teach in workshops or other people teach in workshops, like, like I do is was exclusively taught in in circus families and in circus schools mm -hmm. it was never available to the general public mm -hmm. so 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 now when i when i go teach a, a workshop like as far as the technical element of the handstand i don't do any discount you know i just take the teach a technique i'm just trying to make it a little bit more approachable to to the general public mm -hmm. but but that that's what it is uh, you get a taste of a, a traditional circus art mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or gymnastics but uh, but gymnastic is very difficult uh, to to do as an adult even for me today mm -hmm. uh, my body cannot handle gymnastics it doesn't feel good because mm -hmm. my body is not ready to take the the intensity of of you know airborne acrobatics mm -hmm. But hence, then it's it's a much more gentle and uh, and still has um, very similar um, uh, like learning process of learning a gymnastic skill. Mm -hmm. And I've seen and I've seen that you uh, you still maintain certain gymnastics pieces, but you use them as um, kind of like being like the mechanic, like to 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 maintain your body to continue. Yeah, doing yeah, your practice yeah. and being a teacher. So I, 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 I saw, you know, it's not that you don't jump on the rings, but you're not doing elaborate ring routines. You're using it as like um, a form of accessory work now. Yes, yes, for sure. To balance, uh, you know, make sure that my legs are okay, my, my upper body, basic pulling strength, front lever, back lever, support, mm -hmm. uh, hands on the ring sometimes. It's, but it's, it's a very small part of, of, of my practice, uh, I need it need to it needs to support my main practice. It's not I don't have like a high aspiration to reach high level of strength skills, which you can see all over the place. Or it, but it needs to, you know, I need to keep my shoulders healthy. I need to keep my back healthy. I need to keep my legs uh, in good condition. And, and uh, you know, so. so um, I, I continue to work on my flexibility, mobility throughout the years to to keep my body agile and uh, and ready to go as I age as well, which is something that's a big uh, uh, part of uh, my practice. How to deal with with it for so many years mm -hmm. and and to keep going. You know, as you, as you, I, yeah. 
I was about to say was, well, as I think you said, you're, you're in your late forties now, mm-hmm. what are some of these observations that you're making then when it comes to like aging and, and practice and, and what that looks like? So, so, you know, it comes and, and in, you know, in addition to that, during the show, I had two major surgeries and, you know, some back surgery and a shoulder surgery, which I, you know, got back into full, fully active afterwards. Um, but it did give me like, okay, there is, I need to be careful, you know? So the main, the main thing uh, as a practitioner now, uh, I need to ask myself, uh, you know, uh, first of all, where to take my risks? What what risks should I take? Because and uh, injuries are are much longer. The the, the the rehab time is much longer than a twenty year old. Right. You get injured, you tweak your shoulders. You're dealing with it for for three months instead of a week. You know, um, you are able to take less. You know, you can't train for seven hours a day in high intensity because your body will not be able to take it. Mm-hmm. You get injured, so so you need to figure out ways to, you know, put your ego or your your um, your competitiveness or your eagerness to learn a new skill and put it in perspective. Like, okay, my the main for me today that the main uh, objective, aside from refining and learning new things, is to to be able to to do it and keep interested for many more years, mm-hmm. and and it affects the way I practice. And I still do mistakes and I try to not repeat the mistakes, but it happened as well. Uh Um, Yeah, not doing the mistakes, not doing the, you know, the really stupid mistakes that that often happen because you see this, someone throws a trick on Instagram and you want to do it right away. Mm -hmm. It happens to everyone. You know, you get inspired or competitive or whatever the reason, but you jump into the water without preparation right without the the you know you don't see the month of preparation in one single video on instagram mm-hmm. you know so sometimes you you it's a natural as athletes or as it's your natural uh, reaction you you just want to do it and then uh so so learning how to you know put put myself <laughs> in, right. in put it in perspective and 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 just uh you know, and, and for me as a teacher also, um, that's my main, uh, that's my work. I can't afford going to a workshop with a tweaked back or a tweaked shoulder or, or my wrist hurting. And then I'm trying to demonstrate and I can't, I can't give them everything. You know, nobody wants to see someone with a handsome teacher with a messed up wrist. Right. Or, or you know. So, so you want to, you're teaching them the correct way to practice. You want to, you know, give a good example. So, so, you know, kind of being responsible, a responsible um, mm-hmm. acrobat, you know, knowing, yeah. knowing how to maintain it and um, still learn new things, but, but in a safe way, it's something it's, that's important for me. There's this thing that seems to come with like when, when, when you become like a teacher, there's like this like other responsibility that I feel like arrives where you kind of like what you're talking about, this uh, responsibility to like lead from the front to the, any of the group of students or your ongoing students being like, oh, like I practice what I preach. You know, I'm telling you not to do this thing. See, I don't do it. I tell you to do this thing. See, I do it. Um, yeah. and, that, and I think that 
you know, good teachers grab that really quickly and realize that that's a really important quality. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, uh, it's 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 still a constant kind of like uh, battle between the urge to to learn the new thing and 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 you know, today with with especially people who are invested in social media, you know, that's my main. Uh, tool of communication of mm-hmm. who I am, what I do, and stuff. So, so I, of course, it serves me, but I also see a lot of what's happening, mm-hmm. and and just uh, being able to, you know, not being carried by by stuff and, and just doing your thing is is, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm competing or or influenced by people in their twenties. They are like some some kids that are masters in the skill. They already had the ten thousand hours when they're twenty in hand balancing, mm-hmm. where in in a, in a skill that I started in my thirties. You know, they're masters when they're nineteen or you know. So 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 I need to also remind myself, you know, to put things in perspective and and um, and, and focus on on this the refinement, the the, the essence of, of balancing the, what I'm actually teaching. Because mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not teaching the, the crazy tricks anyway. The crazy tricks are more stuff that I do for myself. Right. You know, you you you. It's more about how to communicate and what, mm-hmm. what you do. And, and so so a lot of my practice also is in in a way uh, is is researching these very subtle um, elements of, of hand balancing or head balancing and and and. Coming to these realizations in practice, which happen from time to time. When you so we you know you've mentioned a little bit about approaching teaching beginners a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. curious what your approach looks like to the workshops where you're working with people who aren't beginners. Where where are some of like the jumping off points there? Like where do you where where does that exploration? What do you mean, people? With the non-beginners, yeah, the non-beginners. I mean, so again, I have I have usually two two types of workshops: beginners, mm-hmm. with no uh, handstand experience required, mm-hmm. or no ability to hold a freestanding handstand, and then the intermediate level, which are people that already have a handstand. Mm-hmm. Could be different levels. So mm-hmm. some and, and and this changes from workshop to workshop depending on the group that I'm confronted with. Mm-hmm. So usually, you know, I don't, I don't have like a, I don't come with a plan A to Z and what I'm going to do in each workshop. I mm-hmm. see the people, I meet every person in the beginning. We, we, you know, introduce ourselves mm-hmm. and, and then we start by doing handstands, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and then, and then I see what I have in front of me and, and then we go from there. I still, by the end of the weekend, I still communicate my view on how to do a handstand technically and 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 uh, and then I, I i try to uh react in time and and also share my my critique to who's on front of me so the whole group can can learn from it mm-hmm. so so a lot of it uh is is uh, you know trying to create a learning experience for the whole group mm-hmm. so it's not only you and your bubble just i want to learn my skill it's like Okay, I'm doing my handstand, but every time you go off your handstand, you need to look. There are 15 more people to learn from, mm-hmm. and and hearing my critique to what they do, 
and whether it's positive or negative or you can do this better or 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 showing how i correct them this is a big a chunk of of uh of the, uh, how i teach mm -hmm. i don't it's not a lecture it's not that there's not a lot of theory in my workshops mm -hmm. you're you're the um you're one of a, a handful now of people who i've spoken to who teach who have said something like this where it's not just oh i show up with a syllabus and it needs to i need to teach this this and this and it needs to look exactly this way and by the end you know we, yeah, we're yeah. talking about this important thing the the it's almost like this like collaborative teaching right or, mm -hmm. or really you know integrating in like differentiated teaching where you walk in the you know you, like I said, I've talked to other people who say, I don't really go in with a plan. I show up and see who I've got and what they're interested in, where they're at. And I, we, we kind of cook together as opposed to me showing up as the chef and just start saying, okay, we are making spaghetti. I don't care what happens. Everybody start cooking. And, and, and I think it also uh, opens up a lot of place for spontaneity and, and creativity in the workshop and, and people um, you know, just reacting to what's happening. And sometimes there is like, you, you have, you see some person doing something and then the whole course of the workshop changed just because of, of the interaction. So 20 minutes later, we're still stuck with this example, but, but this is a really important one. And, and I, 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 uh, I this is what I realized. Uh, that's why, you know, when I started teaching five years ago, I was, you know, sitting before the workshop, I created this, you know, I wrote down and then I started teaching, started talking and I completely ignored it. Mm -hmm. I did it a few times and then I said, okay, whatever. I just come and I teach my thing and then, and then see what happens. Mm -hmm. and, and this, this is, um, you know, and, and over time, this also helped me develop being, it also allows you to be, uh, uh, receptive and open for 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 learning new things as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Okay, this doesn't work. Forget about it. Let's mm -hmm. find a different way to do it. And mm -hmm. then and then you 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 learn how to. You don't learn the skill. You learn how to communicate in a better better way. I, I appreciate that. I mean, I remember it must have been six or seven years ago. I took a hand balancing workshop, mm -hmm. and I and I really. I felt the rigidity. I felt mm -hmm. that like feeling of like, we're trying to work through a syllabus, even though it wasn't necessarily fitting the group that was standing in that room at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my case, I remember feeling like, oh, I, I'm leaving here with not a lot of either new information or new tools or new ways of thinking because it was so kind of like committed to I don't know this 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 one avenue and it had to be delivered this way mm -hmm. and not looking around and thinking oh well you know most of the people in this room aren't prepared for one arm handstand for instance mm -hmm. i should address yeah, yeah. some of these other things but really feeling the need and maybe it's a little bit of ego of being like well i need to show the great things that i can do yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of having, you know, this kind of this humility that you're, that you're expressing where it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter how great all the things I do are. We don't need yeah, to yeah. get to all that stuff. It's like, well, let's meet everybody where they're at. Yeah. yeah. So, so this, this is um, one, one part that's very typical to my workshop. And then in the more 
I, I try in both beginner or, or advanced to, I, there's always kind of like a um, presentation time mm-hmm. where each student uh, is, is going in front of the whole class, the whole workshop and, and does a handstand on stage, basically. Um, so in the beginners, I usually stand there. So I support them and help them. So the whole group learns as a, it's still, it's still for people who are not used to be on stage, it's still hard. Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking, and, but I make them look good. Um, but, 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 but I'm helping them to, uh, to get into correct alignment, to, to realize that they can do a good handstand. They just need to find it. And then uh, the audience or the other the members of the workshop, they, they get a, the opportunity to see other people going through the same thing that they're going through. And then maybe putting things not only, because it's very difficult when, when, when you are on your hands and you're a beginner, when someone tells you, yeah, you need to rotate your pelvis and push and to when you're on your hands, you completely are, you're lost. And then seeing the same, the same thing happens to other people, like the, the same uh, cues being given to other, uh, other people really makes sense. And then, and then the advanced people, so, uh, you know, usually we work on in the workshop on creating different sequences on two arm hands and changing shapes or whatever. So I give them 10 minutes. Okay. And now prepare a sequence that you feel that you are confident enough to perform in front of other people. Don't go, don't go to the hard tricks, do the easy or, or things that you know that 90% you'll hit it. Mm-hmm. You know, use a lot of a lot of time people go beyond their level and, and, and it, it stresses them. It's so so learning it, it, it allows you first to experience performance mm-hmm. and what it means to prepare for performance. Mm-hmm. So so performing is not only about being confident on stage. Right. If you if you hit 50% in your practice, a certain skill, there's 50% chance that you'll mess up on stage even more. Mm-hmm. You know, so 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 that that give, that that tells them basically, okay, next workshop, I want to feel a little more comfortable performing. So I'm gonna do the work. I'm gonna do the homework and 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 get my comfort level in practice, so that when I have this extra level of stress, that's it's part of the deal for any performer. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what level, Olympic g- gymnast with 20 years experience, they're still nervous. Mm-hmm. The question is how they learn, how, how, how they deal with, with the stress, mm-hmm. how they prepare for that mo- stressful moment. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, uh, I feel, a very important um, part of any, any practitioner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it could be as well in, in combat sport, you know, you, you, competing on, on, on the ring is, is super stressful. It's not the same as training. Mm-hmm. But the, the but being able to prepare for it and getting different scenarios, becoming familiar with all these scenarios, puts you in a different place when you when you compete, and it's the same for that. You're you're you're, you're talking about two things that I really like. One is um, you're talking about this like dealing with like the stress when this when the when the when the moment's not perfect. Mm-hmm. right it's so easy to practice when like it's quiet the room is the right temperature everything is exactly as you want it to be but you're doing this nice little like curveball of being like well now it's 
we're, we're increasing the stress in some way. Either yeah. it's because there's noises or something. In this case, there's an audience watching you. So now it's like- Super hard for people. Which, yeah. which I really appreciate because when I think of like, you know, people who are the considered the great athletes, great artists and things like that, you often hear about these certain types of constraints that they had to deal with when they were developing whatever their skill is. I always talk about like Brazilian soccer players. They didn't, a lot of them played on the streets like, you know, in alleyways with like deflated balls, it was like they weren't on the grass in like the perfect scenario. And it was like that type of imperfection of the moment is actually what developed a lot of like the stress management and creativity that comes around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also, like you said, uh, you know, when I asked you about your workshop and you said, it's, it, 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 I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but it was something that it wasn't just about learning the handstand, but also kind of giving the experience of being in a circus school, you know, or, or, or learning it through like a, a circus scenario. And at the end of the day, it is about performance in circus. So it's like, I'm not just teaching you the skills for handstand. We're actually going to have a moment of like, yeah, this is what, how we would prepare if we were in circus. Yeah. Because also there's no competition. This is art, mm -hmm. you know, so you're not competing with anyone. Mm -hmm. So, so this is one element, but uh, I, I think I was also going towards, uh, you know, uh, what it means to be a circus artist, any circus artist in any circus discipline, uh, in addition to all the, the stage training, the repetition is, is inherent in the practice. Mm -hmm. They go to school, circus school for four years or three years, and they do Hanson for four or five hours a day, in addition to everything else, mm -hmm. in order to reach that scale. Mm -hmm and compete with each other and and you know so so um so so why what I, what i try to give people is okay all you need is your body and a floor and you can you can train like a circus artist mm -hmm. this is why there's so many there's people amazing hand balancers today who come from nowhere no gymnastics background nothing which reached the level of a circus artist mm -hmm. it's very inspiring to see mm -hmm. You right. Know, and, I, and, 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 and I mean, that's the gift of the internet, but also then to, to, to allow people to take the chains off as well, especially in your intermediate and advanced class and saying, okay, like don't do necessarily my things in this exact way, create a sequence, actually go through a creative process mm -hmm. and, and develop something is mm -hmm. then in whole another creative step that I, that I think is really an interesting approach, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, closing in on that, like, oh, well, once you're, there's some freedom on your hands and, and, and explore what that means. And don't just, don't just hold these static positions or do exactly what you saw on Instagram, like come create something. Yeah. It's less, I do it less for the create uh, sake of creativity uh -huh. in, in this level. It's mm -hmm. more uh, for, for increasing control and, and being able to, uh, to refine a skill, mm. this would be, if I were to work with a circus artists or advanced, then, then there will be a set of drills to kind of break the rigidity and, and break the, the forms that are very clear and, mm. then, and then do something. Uh, the, the sequences are more, uh, I use the sequences as more as uh, improving the control of, mm -hmm. of each because because the what I'm asking the people is not to just perform and do some cute movement it's more each be being full control and full awareness in every 
part of the sequence so that when you do the one arm Hansen in the big straddle or the small straddle, it will be in 100% control of that position that you use. This is, this is uh, so, so the, the workshop that I give mostly are more technical. Mm. I try to use playfulness. I try to use different things, but, but in order to catch up with the circus artist, mm-hmm. need to master or, or perfect mm-hmm. each skill that you later on uh, use in order to do the advanced skill, like, for example, the one-arm handstand. Which is can, the, can you explain a little bit then when you do get that to the, the, the more advanced students and, and you used to talk about kind of then like breaking the rigidity, mm-hmm. what, what, is, what does that look like? What are, what are some of the, the approaches you take to, to then doing that? So it's almost like you build it up to break it back down again. Yeah, so, so um, you know, sometimes it's also to the... the the, the Hansen practice in itself is rigid, is repetitive. It's very, you know, that's that's the game. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to learn a one-arm Hansen, there's no way around the 40 repetitions or 30 repetitions of one-arm Hansen in a practice. You know, so sometimes making these games, like flipping a cube or moving a cube from side to side or you know, uh, or, or putting a blindfold and doing a sequence without, uh, without your vision, stuff like that, uh, to, to go deeper in, in controlling, you know, making it a little more difficult, uh, putting a very, like, uh, uh, restriction so you can, you can work more efficiently later on when you open your eyes or when you take out the restriction. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so using stuff like that in order to still um, uh, because a workshop is not enough to go through a creative process anyway you know uh, I work with circus artists also in a circus school in Paris and and I, I, I come and give them a technical session but then they have other teachers they have a theater teacher and a dance teacher and then they, they present their their different things every week artistically and then by the end of the year they put together um, their their technical uh, skill that they acquired, as well as their artistic research. So it's a completely different ballgame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so so the, the the most I can give in the workshop is giving people a technical skill, a technical tool of how to practice mm-hmm. efficiently at home alone, mm-hmm. which is very difficult. You know, like. Um, if you go to a circus school, you have your coach telling you every day, making sure that you, you're on track, you're not going into your bad habits. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you practice on your own, you need to have some way to, to uh, judge whether you are doing things correctly or instead, you know, uh, we, we talked about the repetitive aspect of hand, but what happens if you repeat hundreds of times a mistake? You ingrain a mistake. So it's also, it's a double edge, you know, it's not enough to repeat hundreds of time. You need to repeat the hundred of time in a correct way. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this is, this is what, uh, what I, what I, what I do in the workshop. And, and this is, you know, a lot of people come uh, to my workshop more than once. They, every year they, you know, I, uh, in my travels, I usually repeat my, I go to Karsten every year, once a year. And a lot of the time I, the same people show up. It's not like I don't teach 
new material right. every time i talk about the same shit it's same right. stuff <laughs> but but it's uh, every time they meet me they can they're maybe susceptible to to receive my feedback mm-hmm. you know a lot of the feedback uh, you know i i remember the first time i i i uh, went to claude and 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 then some of the things he told me the first time 10 years later clicked right when in in my practice and like, now i know what he was talking about why didn't i forgot i, I even forgot about it but like okay he already mm-hmm. told me this 10 years ago right but i wasn't ready to retake it mm-hmm. you know so 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 this is this is the the, the practice there's not yeah i I teach the same thing, but it's 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 always um, trying to to react to what's in front of me, different people and different stages in their journey, right in, in, in their handstand journey. Do you have anyone that you do you have long-term students that you work with, or are all of your students just through the workshops that you do? Um, mostly mostly through the workshop, but I have people that I've been uh, seeing on a regular basis uh, for the last six years. I mean, ma- mainly since I moved to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then in, I have like some of my intensive, my advanced intensives. So, you know, I see them on a, on more on a regular basis. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I've been, you know, I have some, uh, I've been doing online coaching for the past six years as well mm-hmm. with uh, one-on-one. Uh, which allowed me to to support people in their in their uh, in their handsome practice. I usually work with intermediate level, um, and then some of them also join my workshops. So it's a combination of online as well as 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 the actual uh, workshop. Mm-hmm. But I don't have since I I don't have like a regular space that I teach. I don't have uh, a group of people that train with me on a weekly basis. That just doesn't fit also the lifestyle that I chose as mm-hmm. a practitioner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I was, yeah, that's why I was curious about the, the online approach. Um, I, th- I think that that's a, like an interesting theme as well. When I communicate with people, there's a lot of people who have these students that work with them online and then they'll also come and see them in person in, in the workshop. So it's like this kind of this balance, right. Between like, uh, like a, their own, private practice and mm-hmm. then getting the 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 feedback from the teacher but rather than it being every single day of like having to do it it's like oh well we check in every six months or every year where it's like oh we're in mm-hmm. person and things happen yeah. but the communication continues over the course of the time yeah yeah so so that i think it works really well together mm-hmm. um that the main the main way i work in the online coaching is like if if someone we yeah, have for a three months period or whatever, um, they send me a video on a weekly basis of all the skills that I, that, that they need to work on. And, and the, they, so they are committed to improving from week to week, basically submitting a video. I'm giving a detailed critique of the video and they, they are, they need to put the work the next week of practice. Not only they need to do their X number of repetitions, they also need to, show improvement in the skills that I critiqued. Mm-hmm. So, so kind of it, it goes from week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, the work needs to, it's not, uh, my words are not magic. They need to discover this, the knowledge in practice. 
they need to realize their mistakes or they need to figure out and, 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 and also manifest their improvement. And when they see it in the video, when they, it's also very, uh, a very useful tool, a learning tool for like to see a video in week one and video in week 12 to see the differences or the difference from week to week and, and setting up the goals and, and you know, going to the next level. You can't go to the one-arm handstand before we finish fixing the handstand. You know, so if, if this is the level of the person, so we just work on handstand on refinement of all the positions from week to week. Mm -hmm. and, and, and some people that are ready for the one arm, so that focus will be there. And then they have other set of progressions that they need to follow mm -hmm. in order to move on. I appreciate that you also said that it was, that you want them to make discoveries. You know, because, you know, the way yeah, that of you communicate something or the way I communicate something may not be the way that someone else sees it. But once they use kind of like the, the drill or something as a vehicle for their own personal discovery, now they have their way of understanding it. Exactly. Exactly. So, so this is like a, this subjective kind of like understanding of them. This is it. This is real knowledge. Mm -hmm. of, of what you're doing, manifesting it in your body. And like, now I understand, it doesn't matter. You can, you can give a biomechanical description of the one-arm handstand. It's irrelevant for the practitioner. The practitioner needs to feel it. Mm -hmm. And everyone has their own feeling of, of the skill and, or understanding, physical understanding mm -hmm. of, of the skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've, I've thought a lot about that because... I realized that just depending on where you grew up, like what culture you grew up in, your experience within the world is dramatically different from someone else, right? So it's like if you grew up in a more oral culture, your ears, for instance, have the heightened sense of hearing. And or if it's a more visual culture, you know, you're you're looking and seeing things a certain way. And and everybody sees it differently or, or communicates it differently. And we, we we almost like depend on people having to like be able to, to verbalize it. And it's like, these are nonverbal experiences, mm -hmm. right? It's like, you know, you okay. give them kind of just like the, the, like I said, the vehicle. And now it's like, well, now you create your experience and maybe you can explain it with words and maybe you can't, it doesn't really matter yeah, because you yeah. now have some language for yourself, whatever language that is you speak. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so this is, uh, this is a big one, I think, uh, to, to, to feel, to understand, and to, to, I like to, I like to call it making the discoveries, make it, make the discovery, the discoveries on your own through practice. Mm -hmm. This is, this is for me, super important. Uh, and, and it's the same for me. And as a practitioner, still, I'm still making discoveries mm -hmm. until this day. And, you know, with the head balancing, it was very, very clear because I was learning a new skill. So it was like, okay, now I understand. Mm -hmm. When you, and you said you, you like that feeling of being like in the beginner and being a white belt. Mm -hmm. Like it sounded like you really found it thrilling to like learn to, to be a performer and learn to be a teacher and learn to be a hand balancer, as opposed to just traditional gymnastics handstand. Mm -hmm. And then, then, and then the headstand, uh, is there anything else you're doing now that that's putting you in that that place that you're that you're exploring or researching? Um, 
Yeah, you know, like um, I, I started the, through my, for example, through my uh, interaction with Karsten, my friendship with him. So I started exploring the very, very basic of, of Bagua, for example. Mm-hmm. So it was beautiful uh, experience, which which I stopped a little bit because of a knee injury I had, but I hope to to um, to return to. I, I was also with Tom. I was exploring movement with Tom, and uh, you know trying to translate uh, some of his experience to my handstand and see where it can take me. I, I didn't necessarily go deep or all the way with it, mm-hmm. but I find it very nourishing and uh, exciting to, to, to take uh, a completely different field or, or direction and, and then add it to, to what I do uh, with my handstand. And then you know, I had this knee injury, so I, I for the last uh, four months, I've been rehabbing and, and and getting my knee young again and strong again. You know, so that was it's also you know taking this uh, place that is not necessarily my you know familiar environment, mm. strength training and using some weights and, and learning how to squat and you know I'm, I'm, I always did body weight. Um, yeah, so so it doesn't happen too often because I have so many responsibilities as, mm-hmm. as a teacher, as my parent, as you know. I but I, I try to keep uh, to to still have uh, pick things that I find interesting and relevant to what I do and, and explore them. And um, the latest one was the the Bagua, which was very nice, and internal martial arts, which I'm interested in in finding where what I can take from this another rich world of, of movement into, into my practice, which um, also as I get older, you know, finding the softer things, things that are, that are, I can, I can explore and are still a nice to, <laughs> nice to my body, you know, so that I know I, I don't have to, uh, it won't affect my, my practice and I can just gain from it. Yeah. Well, I also assume that being a parent plays right into all of this as well, right? Because mm-hmm. that forces forces you to be spontaneous and, and and explore something that's probably new almost every day. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, for the last. Uh, my daughters are are uh, nine and eleven, so um, they were both born in born in Vegas. Uh, so since then, I uh, you know I went through a process with myself as they as a parent and as a practitioner, as a teacher as well. So I'm, I'm learning together with them. Uh, do, do they hand balance? They, they don't. Uh, yeah, they, they both on their hands, but they don't, they don't, they, one of them is a rhythmic gymnast and one of them is a uh, artistic swimmer. So not specifically, they don't, they don't specialize it, but they, they both have uh, a nice, uh, a nice handstand. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, that comes, I mean, and, and I don't teach them. They kind of more once in a while they go on their hands and I help them, but they don't, I don't like the, uh, being their teacher, being their uh-huh. coach, telling them what to do. You know, they need, need to come from them. Right. Well, because that's what you described in the beginning with your own gymnastics experience is mm-hmm. that you just were so inspired that you went home and did it on your own. Oh yeah. yeah you I didn't did. need to sit back and, and be told. So it was like the, the, the same methodology. I mean, but also my parents were not, uh, gymnast or coaches mm-hmm. and I am you know so so uh, here I have to sometimes hold myself you know like my 
my kids, they want to play. The girls, they want to play. They don't want me to tell them to point their feet and straighten their legs and, you know, they, because that's how I teach, you know? Yeah. So I need to, okay, just, if they want to do it, I'm there, I'll help them, but not force them to do it or, and keep it, uh, it needs to come from their, um, their side if they want to study. Right. If they want to learn something. And this is, it's hard sometimes, but it's, this is, I find that's the right way to deal with it when when you're a parent and a teacher <laughs> right 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 like not getting caught up in any in, in any rigidity it's like you know kids yeah. are going to do what they do but then the the the, the qualities are it's like you can't even d- describe how they're going to be beneficial in the future because they're exploring their creativity and it manifests in so many different ways sure. i uh i always think of this documentary I watched and I've talked about it before. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched these like 30 for 30 series that ESPN does. Um, Which one? They're like, they're documentaries and they'll do them about certain people or certain sporting events or something, but they're pretty in depth and interesting. And they did one about Bo Jackson. Okay. Um, And the man is really an incredible athlete, you know, maybe the greatest athlete of all time, but they talk about him as a kid and he was really just this like experimental artist as a child where he would like go and stand in like two feet of water and try to learn how to do a backflip or he would try to jump over cars he would try to like throw and skip stones he would do all these like weird creative things Mm -hmm. and you know fast forward to him being somebody who's playing football and baseball professionally and they said you know he kind of arrived right when ESPN was becoming a thing. So they actually had these highlight reels and he became this human highlight reel and they couldn't understand how he was doing all these things. You know, he's like catching fly balls and then running up the wall and jumping off the wall and all the things. And it was the, the, the freedom to be creative as a child that provided that. So it's like, I can't explain to you how standing in water and trying to do a backflip is going to translate in the future but you watch someone like that and you're like, well, maybe it's not the exact same thing, but that creative process turns into something later on. And we can't, we, that's the beauty, beauty of it. It's like a phenomenon yeah. that way. You can't explain and, it. And, that. and I, and I think uh, a good, a good coach uh, that work with children um, aside from technique and physical preparation is to give that space for the kids to to have fun in the gym, to play with a ball, to make these games, to do the games on the trampoline, to 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 add this um, freedom within this very rigid, structured practices, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and you see it. You see sometimes you see some gymnasts that that are that have this playfulness. You know, they do their work, but then they have these games on the trampoline, and they can do all these crazy parkour and, and, you know, stay safe, but, but being playful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and often it is missed in, in all these like competitive sports that, okay, we have to prepare the team to, you know, you need to give the kids also um, the space to go outside of their practice and, and, uh, and explore other things like you, like you're describing with, with Bo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know, for me, I, I, I was too serious, I think, as a kid. I was the serious kid. I, I found some places to, you know, I enjoyed, you know, repeating the hundreds of times, the high bar, dismount or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was fun for me, but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't uh, do enough of the, um, you know, go 
going outside and playing basketball with the, my friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's. Uh, I, I'm doing it now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I, mean, so I, I, was, I, I was just about to say that. I was like, well, it's, it's not that it's not happening. Yeah. Like, for example, like I, you know, my latest challenge, my I do these challenges every year for myself. So juggling uh, three balls while I'm hand, headstanding. So this is a good example of of taking a trick that's mm-hmm. really hard, which doesn't it's not functional for anything unless right. it's like you do it in a party. Um, but 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 the process of learning it and figuring it out, learning how to juggle, learning how to juggle upside down and multitask at the same time, you immediately improve the level of your control and the head balance mm-hmm. by this game. It's a game. It's just a game. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. But but uh, using stuff like that, or you know, doing balancing a stick while hands head balancing. So so yeah, it doesn't. It's not a method or anything. It's just a game and. And adding some difficulty uh, with a fun difficulty to to the skill, and and then you have to react to it in real time, and then you learn something. You learn a little lesson from it, and, and then the level of control increases. Mm-hmm. I like that you you said the kind of like maintaining the playfulness, right? Like, and and that's kind of where like discovery is. Yeah. Um, I was talking to somebody who was again, like a jujitsu practitioner and he kept emphasizing like not to get so caught up on it being either a control game or a a competitive game that it's, it's playful. And like playfulness is like where a lot of information lies. If you, if you let it be that way. And, Mm -hmm. And it's either playfulness that gives you information in that exact moment, or as you're kind of describing, like picking a playful game and, and all the information that comes along with, building towards that challenge yeah yeah for, for sure so so that's uh I, so i try you know uh i would say i don't know 80 percent of my practice is stuff i do every day mm-hmm. and then i always have some some things within my practice of i give myself specific time to to do things that i don't do on a regular basis sometimes i do it every few months or you know just do things that are a little different and try new things and and make it interesting, mm-hmm. and and I think it's also um, for people people who move into uh, intermediate level, you know, working towards one arm or stuff like that. Uh, the practice is super repetitive. That's the game. You have to repeat hundreds of times in order to to reach these understanding and control controlling the beast of the one arm handstand. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and but uh, if if you every day repeat 40 times the same exact skill, it's going to be uh, heavy mentally to, to just show up again and do it again. And, and, and so, so you need to find these, these little games, you know, just do a handstand and move a block or move a ball from side to side. Mm-hmm. The goal is to move the ball from point A to B, but in order to do it, you need to stop thinking and feeling it because mm-hmm. instead of thinking about balance, you're thinking about the ball. So, but it requires that the Hansen will be in good form. Right. So you learn something from it. You stop thinking about the form, it's given. And then you, you know, so adding this little creative, it, it doesn't necessarily uh, going to bring you immediately to a one-arm Hansen, but it's one step ahead, more control, more understanding, and, and uh, all these like kind of multitasking uh, uh, goals or little exercises are really nice 
nice ways to uh, to to learn something. Mm -hmm. You know, like you once you once you have once you have a skill and you can perform it while your like reflective mind is distracted. Mm -hmm. That's some yeah, yeah. some another level of ownership. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. so for sure, I, you know, this is something I, I try to come up with. Uh, in my own practice and, and sometimes in my workshops also in the advanced workshop there is you know, we we deal with different kind of games to you know to also go away from the heavy uh just do the grind of, of repeating something because it's you have to do it right it's part of the game yeah so where will you be teaching in the in the coming months or, or coming weeks? Um, so so this year because of COVID and everything, I'm mostly in Europe until the world <laughs> until the borders open up again. I I canceled uh, my yearly Thailand event and I was supposed to go to Shanghai also and uh, you know so and the U.S. is not out of the question. Uh, yeah. So so mostly around Europe. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna be in. Uh, at Karsten in November, and I'm going to be at uh, in Belgium, in Brussels, and in Helsinki, in Finland, mm -hmm. and then maybe in uh, have a few a few workshop planned, maybe in Vienna, and mm -hmm. uh, maybe in the spring. I see how, how how it's so fragile now. It's hard to to plan ahead of time so far, mm -hmm. where it's changing every week. You know, like reality is nuts you know i just did a test yesterday so i arrived to to schaffenberg went directly to and and got confined for 48 hours until i get the results so i can stay in the country and, and teach the workshop you know so so now everything is just I'm, I'm very grateful that i'm back on the road and teaching and meeting people again which was yeah. you know like everyone else it was stop stop of action for for a few good months yeah well I'm, i i feel uh i i have a i'm can i'm can i have a canadian passport and a u.s passport mm -hmm. so with the canadian passport who knows maybe in the in the coming months i'll be able to make a trip to europe to do one of your workshops Heck, uh, you would be more than welcome i mean you know it's it's it, now at this point it's not so much uh, the the passport it's where you're living so if you live in the U.S. and it's a red place, you mm -hmm. need to come to to explain things. It's not that the passport is not gonna <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to help me get there at this point. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But but yeah, I, I hope I, I believe it's gonna it has to come back to mm -hmm. to the normal thing and and hopefully I'll, uh, I'll come to the U.S. again. I would love to to start adding the U.S. to my um, to the list of places I come on a regular basis. I mm -hmm. I was in New York twice. But I haven't, uh, I haven't taught any, and and also Portland. Mm -hmm. But uh, but since I live in Europe, it's much more convenient for me to just take an hour long flight and stay within the same time zone, and then teach a different community. It is amazing. That was a, a yeah. amazing realization when we. I've I've been to Europe once, and when we were there, just realizing how close all these countries are to each other, and you can bounce between them with these short hour, hour and a half flights and trains. And yeah, it's I mean, like I, 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 I drove here this time. Usually I fly and, you know, I drove six hours. I listened to podcasts. <laughs> I was yeah. here. I, I suddenly arrived. <laughs> That's, that, it's so amazing. That is so amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in Colorado now. And, and uh -huh. if I'm still in Colorado, I assume it won't be till like Colorado? Um, I was in New York and then uh -huh. we had to close our gym down. 
because okay. of COVID and we permanently okay. closed it. And then my friend owns a facility here in Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And he asked if I would be interested in coming out and teaching. So I committed to, to coming here for three months. So I'm here wow. until the end of December, but then if it's, if we enjoy it, maybe we'll stay. Um, but we're, we're, we're playing it by year for now, but if this is where I am, when the world starts to open up, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll try to organize a, a workshop with you out here. Yeah, I would love to come to Colorado. I haven't, haven't been to yet. Yeah, and but, um, I think you I think you would enjoy it. It's it's, it's very very beautiful. Hmm. Um, if people want to connect with you, uh, is your Instagram the best way, or is is Facebook or or website? What? How yeah, do you any any of the any of the you know you on hands on it's the same on Facebook or. Uh, Instagram, uh, Uvale alone, and Facebook also the regular page. Okay. Uh, these, these these are the places or or uh, through my website so uvalonhands.com. Mm -hmm. So that these are mm -hmm. it's easy to. But you know I, I'm most I'm most uh, visible in Instagram. So if people um, are interested in handstand and follow my page, you know that's you can always drop a note and. Then, Introduce yourself. Don't just not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. answer. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder because I know on Instagram it's like the messages get filtered, and I know sometimes people don't even look at the filtered messages. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure that if people reached out to you, it was in the in the place that you would see it. So we know that you you check your filtered messages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Write something or comment, and uh, you know, it's it's gonna work. It's very easy like that. Awesome. Well, I know it's getting uh it's getting late out there now. It's probably what's uh seven thirty or so. Seven thirty, yeah. 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 Um, good. I really appreciate you making the time to do this. I know you're you're in between things and, and traveling around. It's so a pleasure. Yeah. It was really wonderful to get to hear your story and 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 talk to somebody who at different points in life is always been highly skilled but still willing to like change and and mm -hmm. get uncomfortable and try new things because i do think people have this tendency to get addicted to competence and and they're so high level at something that they're not willing to be like well let me stink at something else i think that it's a <laughs> it's a pretty interesting and admirable quality either from being a performer or a teacher or any of the things i think that that's a, that's a really big takeaway for me. I don't know what, when people listen, they'll have their own takeaways, but for me, that's a really um, amazing quality. So thank you so much for sharing that. A pleasure. All right. Have a great night, Yuval. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye -bye. And I'll see you around. <laughs> yeah, very soon. Ciao. Bye. Bye.